Hey there, this is Angel Donovan with another episode of DSR, Become a Better Man. And before we get into today's episode, is feminism a war on men? And diving into that whole hot topic, which you've probably seen in the media and everywhere that is causing a lot of fuss. And I've seen it cause a lot of conflict on social media between men and women and between men and men and women and women, all sorts of uh, stuff going on there. And I wanted to make sure that you could cut through all of that, understand it, and be able to put the subject to rest for want of a better word, because I just feel it's a bit of a distraction. So I've got a guest today who has been working on this subject for a long time, cutting to the heart of it to give you some clarity on it. So I hope that's going to help you. Before we jump into that, uh, there's something new I've been working on. I've noticed that one of the biggest areas of self-development currently for men is sexuality and making the most of your sex life. In coaching, in all my discussions with you, in everything I see, this is really the number one topic, uh, which can be used as a lever to transform the rest of your life also if you get it right. This is due to a number of factors uh, from health, libido, lethargy, age-related concerns uh, to overproneus or proneus in general and distortion through looking at, at the way it's portrayed in the media, which isn't necessarily how it really should be or what quality sex is really about. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of factors working against us and working against men and, and their understanding and making the most of this area. So I've been working on specifically a sex skills development program that tackles every insecurity and weakness that I've discovered men have in this area. And I'd like to teach you some of the biggest takeaways from this. I'd like to send you some of those for free in the near future in a couple of weeks. But to make sure that what I send you is directly relevant to you personally and useful to you, because I've found that a lot of men have different challenges in this area and they don't necessarily fit. There's, you know, up to 10 different areas which I've kind of put the issues into, the topics that you struggle with. So I'd really like you to let me know what your number one challenge is in this area. And then I'll be able to record a specific video to cover that number one challenge just for you and send it to you within the next couple of weeks. That's my plan to help you out with this topic. All I need for you to do is to let me know what that number one challenge is. And to let me know that, just go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash sex. That's S-E-X. Yes, sex. Put your number one challenge in there and let me know about it. And within the next couple of weeks, I'll send you a video to talk about that and try and resolve it for you. It's easy as that. So the topic is uh, today uh, feminism. And as I said, there is really a lot going on on the social media and in the media these days on the topic of feminism. And I find that you know, there's a lot of myths and misunderstandings, and this is causing a lot of conflicts. And I've got today's guest, who is Suzanne Venker, to come and break it down for you. She's a nationally recognized expert on America's gender war, which is, you know, this whole feminism topic. And she's written books such as The War on Men, The Flip Side of Feminism, What Conservative Women Know and Men Can't Say, and just recently, in February 2017, she released The Alpha Female's Guide to Men and Marriage. And she's really trying to help women and men come together and avoid this war. Um, she's got uh, some very strong views on this, and uh, we're going to dig into these in this interview, and I hope it helps you a lot. This new book helps women own their femininity or find their inner beta so that they can in turn find peace and passion with a man, which is, of course, what we all want, right? Quality relationships, peace, and passion. So for today's episode, as usual, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash podcast and pick out the episode 
from there. You'll also find links to Suzanne Venker and all of her books and so on and so forth. If you want that information in your email inbox from today going forward, go to datingskillsreview.com forward slash newsletter. Thanks. Now let's get into this interview. I'm Angel Donovan, and this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex, and relationships, to become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned, chase down every expert, role model, and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better, step by step, episode by episode. Suzanne, thank you so much for putting the time aside to join us. Thanks for having me. Great. So let's give a very brief kind of intro. What have you been up to on on this little journey of yours? Quickly, how did you get into it and how long has it been going on? So it's been about 15 years, a little more. Actually, I have a 16-year-old. She'll be 17 pretty soon here. And I, which I was pregnant with her when I, when I wrote my first book, which was about motherhood. And it's been uh, a long journey of watching these issues, quote unquote, women's issues, which are really men and women's issues, men's and women's issues, um, unfold over the last 15 years, because back in that, at that time, the quote unquote, mommy wars were, were a thing, or that was a label bantered about. And that's pretty much what I was I mean, I wasn't writing about that per se. I was writing about the work that goes on in raising children and and being at home with kids. And that was immediately turned on its head and made into an attack on working mothers. And that sort of catapulted from there and ended up going in a different direction than I had intended. And then I I stepped out of it for a while because I had my second child. And then I just disappeared for a number of years, dabbled at home with, you know, the internet, of course. And that was still somewhat new. I'm not sure we had email when I started. So the technological aspects of my work in writing has just been hugely helpful, particularly with reaching an audience that is not, that I believe is unheard, just not heard from and um, underrepresented, very much underrepresented. And that's really what I ended up, everything I wrote from that point was really about reaching those people that the media don't, don't, don't even know exist. Do you get a lot, I mean, do you get a lot of emails from both men and women? Like, yeah. Oh, Yeah. I, tons, but the funny thing is, ever since the beginning, it's been probably about 60, 40, 55, 45 yeah. in favor of men. Uh-huh. You know, it's not a coincidence that I'm ending up here talking with men because that's often what has happened as a result of what I've done. I never set out to write for men, but it came about that what I was what I was saying was of course in their favor and they weren't used to hearing that I don't think <laughs> so they came out of the woodworks and I get oh my gosh the stories I've gotten has just propelled me even right. more forward uh, they're just so underrepresented yeah it's great I can imagine I was just at a Tony Robbins event I don't know if you know mm-hmm. Tony Robbins and he's got this event called Date with Destiny it's his big event and he has a big part on basically the, this dynamic between uh, females and males today. And, you know, he goes through a big session talking about the issues of what modern world has done to this and how it's oh, really? caused this mess. Very, yeah, you might want to look into yeah, his stuff. I'm I sure do. you'll agree and connect with some of it. And there were women crying. Yes. <gasps> Wait a minute. I think I did see something in the last couple of months yeah. where he's standing in front of an audience and then he asks them directly about their story, right? And they stand up. 
Was that him? Well, I mean, that's that's his usual thing. He just released a film, which is I'm Not Your Guru, um, which is on the Date With Destiny seminar specifically, which is a week-long thing. And it's probably got some snippets of what he does in terms of the female-male dynamic. So you might find some stuff there okay. or in some of his other work. But, it, you know, it might be good to look into it. You okay. might connect with some of it or just inspire you in some way. Sure. But yeah, it was it was quite impressive because of the way he does it and with the audience and everything. And you, you've got these people who have these sudden realizations about what they've been doing their whole life. And maybe it hasn't been them. It's just been kind of culture and stuff, which has been pushing them that direction. And there was one girl who stood up and just, just this quick story, who stood up at the end of this part. It's one day. It's like the fifth day that we just focus on that, that dynamic. And um, she stood up and she was getting a divorce she only just had these realizations of everything she'd been just going and then it kind of caused the divorce and it was too late and she was crying. She's like, but I'm really glad, you know, I've learned this right now, but it's just too late. And she was really upset oh. about it. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. And, but there was a lot of that kind of people having these realizations and stuff. So anyway, great stuff. He's spreading the word as well. Now let's get into your stuff. So I like to take a step back, especially on these topics where I find it very confusing because there's all sorts of viewpoints out there on the internet these days. What is feminism? That is, you know, that's such a hard question today because it has been so messed with, if you will, in terms of people really wanting to define it for what they think that it is, what they feel that it is, what they basically want it to stand for and be. And, you know, who am I to define it for you? You can define it any way you like if you want, but the facts are still the facts that there's a movement that wants, that has a very specific agenda. And that agenda is to effectively break down the family. Because when you have, it's it, someone wrote something recently that I was reading that talked about all the isms, communism, Marxism, feminism, and anything that ends in an ism is in effect fighting against mother nature and the family unit. Because it just like family is, in, is a direct opposite of the government, you, you really can't have both of those in the same place. They don't exist well together. So feminists, their two greatest things that they've uh, propelled is the idea that A, women in America are oppressed, and that B, there are no sex differences at all, that the every, all the differences you think that exist between women and men are in fact just social constructs, and that there's no basis in biology whatsoever. Mm. What I think is blowing that, of course, <laughs> to smithereens is all of the brain research that's been done in the last 10 years proving beyond a shadow of a doubt how vast the differences are between men and women. And they're never going to be able to convince a large, in my opinion, a large segment or majority of people to go against science and the facts that are there. Mm. Uh, not to mention people's experience with, especially being the mother of both boys and girls and seeing how early that those differences present themselves. So feminists are not known for being, um, as you probably know, happy wives and mothers. They're very angry single or divorced or, or homosexual, or just they're in, they're not in the norm or the traditional family structure. So they're constantly fighting against that rather than just quietly living their lives separately or differently than the way most people do. When nobody would argue with that, there's, there's no complaints about it, but trying to overturn society to accommodate you is ultimately what they want. And of course, they'll never be happy until well, they're never going to be happy because it's not going to happen. So it's just an endless list of complaints, which is what that march on Saturday was all about. The women's march, you know, same same kind of thing yeah. that we saw um, in the '60s with the um, protests. Then, how do you think women are different since this has taken place? And 
I know if that's the case, are, are men different also? So, well, they're different from one another, right? So women's, a woman's identity, the average woman's identity is very much gained through their relationships. They're very, feminists don't like you to use the word emotional <laughs> because they see that as a negative. Mm. I see it as a very positive thing, but they want women to effectively be like men. And since men are typically less emotional and more practical, they um, want people to think women are that way as well. You'll find this really interesting. I heard from a, a man who's got a very high up position in some company, and he get, sent me this, or no, he was commenting, excuse me, on an article I'd written at The Federalist, and he described in there how differently he's had to handle the females versus the males beneath him when dealing with them, talking with them about their strengths, their weaknesses, what to do better, just whatever you need to do when you're running a company. He approaches women in a completely different way than he approaches men because, he pointed out, they are more emotional. And you have to handle the female psyche a little differently than you do the male psyche. doesn't mean one's better or worse. And that's really, that's such a huge difference between the feminist mindset and just a non-feminist mindset is that feminists think these are bad things, that they're negative, that this makes women beneath men, when in fact the irony is that, first of all, you shouldn't think of either as better or superior. But if you were going to put that label, slap that label on it, you would actually see that most people thought it was the reverse years ago, that women were held on a pedestal as being better than men and capable of channeling men's energy into something positive and, and bringing them to the marriage table so that they were more tamed, if you will, and um, devoted to one group of people as opposed to sowing their oats forevermore. So there's a whole theory behind this that makes perfect sense to people who don't have this negative view of the sexes. But to a feminist mind, it's all convoluted. It doesn't, it's not positive. It's all very negative. So the difference, I'd say that's one of the biggest differences between men, women and men is that women are relational beings and that's where they talk, they feel, they intuit, whereas men are much more black and white. They're more practical and they get their identity largely through their vocation. And, and it, you know, it really makes perfect sense when you think about it from a biological standpoint that women are the ones who are able to give birth, right? They mm. carry this baby for nine months, they give birth. You cannot put that person in the same category as a human that doesn't do that. Those are, that's such a hugely different thing between them that, of course, it's going to make them more attached to their children physically and emotionally, in a way that's just unique. It's not better or worse. It's just different. And so they have their trajectory in life when they're looking forward in their lifetime and how they're going to live. They think about caring for their babies, right, in a way that is more of an emotional nurturing way. And a man thinks of it, okay, the minute he comes out, it's like, okay, I got to make sure I got to go to work and make sure I have enough money to take care of this little thing. So you're you just come at it with a completely different, and both are equally needed, both. Yeah. And we've just minimized that and made it uh, about pinning men and women against one another rather than embracing their complementarity. Yeah. Well, so it sounds like, from your perspective, basically, uh, feminism has been removing those differences. And I mean, how would you describe it in, like, in, in kind of like the transformation of women through this trend? Well, exactly like you just said, that feminists are effectively wanting to they talk about it in terms of an us versus them mentality, because again, they're not pro-family, right? They, they want to break it up essentially and bring in all these other forms of families that are equal or comparable to the traditional family. 
And in doing that, you have to really break down the whole concept of, of sex differences and to convince women really that if they in any way do think in terms of relationships or marriage or even child rearing, that they're going down a path that is ultimately going to oppress them. Mm. And rather than they're going down a path that's actually going to be a wonderful, beautiful addition to your life, they want women to really think differently or negatively, really, about marriage and motherhood, about family. Right. And do you think this concept has started with a pool of actual feminists and it's spread more widely to the, the kind of the mainstream? To what, yes, to what extent it, do you think it's become a widespread phenomenon? Well, for example, at its onset in the early part of the 20th century, it was not against families at all. A feminism, and I don't know if they used that word really, it was really suffragettes, and they were focused on the right to vote, but they were very pro-family. So it wasn't until the 60s and the 70s that that whole family breakdown on the part of feminists became a thing. And then, yeah, I mean, you, it gets inculcated into the culture in such a way that over time, people really don't question it. They just adopt it as their own. And then when, of course, the fact that they have all the power, there's, that that's a, puts a whole nother level layer to it because people are happiest really when they're thinking like the people around them, right? And so to go against those in power is extremely difficult. So there's this illusion, which is one of the arguments I've made in my work, that there are more feminist-minded men and women than there really are, because the ones that you see represented in the media are all that way. They do, I mean, most, think that way and have bought into that. So you, those, that silent majority is there, but you don't see it. So you're, you, you have a skewed version of what, quote-unquote, normal seems, or the average person yeah. thinks is like. Yeah. So you just alluded to the fact that men have jumped on that train as well. Is this a small part of men or is it more mainstream? So my theory on what's happened with men as a result of this movement or cultural shift is that you have a couple different pockets of men. You have the ones that have just rejected it all out, you know, all out rejection. The men, they call that men going their own way, right? You have that group, particularly online, that is just rejecting marriage altogether. And then you have a group of men who fall into it hook, line, and sinker and sort of become feminist-minded themselves, though they don't maybe use that word or talk about it, but it's just their mindset is to just go along with it because what is their option? What is their option? If you fight it, A, how are you ever going to get with a woman? (laughs) If you want, I won't be crass about it, but I mean, if you want to get what you ultimately want. You almost have to and need in a family and have sex and all of that. You're going to have to sort of go along with what the woman wants. And that leads into the other group, which I am concerned with the most, where I have this theory that men are ultimately, especially when they're married husbands, I should say, want to please their wives. They want them to be happy. They tend to go along with what their wives want to do not in a in a way like the other group I was talking about where they just do whatever the woman says because because they do um but this other group that wants to remain the man the relationship but the woman is adopting that role and that's where the issues really 
become really skewed because who's going to be the masculine, who's going to be the feminine. And we've asked men to become more feminine, which they have. But then you have this group of men who are pushing back against that because it isn't natural for them to want to do that. So it's almost like three groups, you know, a group that's just completely emasculated and totally feminized and just doing whatever they're told. And the group that is rejecting marriage altogether and saying, forget it. And then this whole middle ground. And then the middle ground is really what my new book is talking to, because I'm concerned with men stepping it up a little bit more and becoming the alpha males that they really want to be and having the women step back a little bit so that you can have this nice complimentary, that's what I was trying to say, relationship instead of this competitive one where you have these alpha males out in full force. And then a man is, most men are alpha by nature, whereas women are alpha definitely by nurture. They've been nurtured to be alpha and to get rid of their more feminine slash beta side. And so now we're just drowning in alpha alphas and alphas (laughs) and alphas together completely ruin the uh, ruin love. It destroys it, which goes back to what you had mentioned earlier before we were. Right. It becomes a competition rather than it becomes a competition. And and as long as you're in, as long as you're in that mode, your relationship is, is always going to be contentious and it's never going to work long term. It might work for a while, but it'll have all that strife. And you're wondering why is this not working? And it's because there's two, you're both alphas. It's just too strong. And someone's got to be able to take a step back and let someone else lead. Yeah. So we're certainly saying we both, everyone's been told they should get their own way. And if they're not getting their own way, it's kind of like an ego thing. You know, there's, there's something wrong and they're being submissive. Around the topic of alpha, there's, the, the, word, there's a right. lot of misunderstandings there. And everyone wants to be the one who isn't being submissive and letting other people get away with things. Yeah, it's all of that. Um, just to touch on, because I think there's maybe a lot of different feminisms. I know some some people have spoke out about this. You know, I'm this type of feminist. I'm not that type right. of feminist. How do you look at it? Are there many different type of feminisms today? Are some of them actually fine and some of them good? And then how do you look at it? So that's a good question. I, as I said before, it's, you know, it's not for me to tell someone how they should personally define it. All I can say is this is what the movement is about. This is this is a fact. This is what they want. To me, you either you're on board or you're not. So I'm the kind of person where I'm not going to jump on board unless I completely agree with it. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, I just don't associate myself with that group, right? So the fact that people want to take the label and make something personal out of it to use it to me is because they've fallen into the they've fallen for the concept that in order to believe that men and women are equal in value. You need that label. You need that label to some degree. So you can say you're this, but then you try to get rid of all the extraneous stuff that doesn't apply to you. But I'm a feminist because I believe women have equal rights to men. Well, I don't know anybody who doesn't think that. I literally don't know anybody who doesn't think that. I guess you could either say all of us are feminists or none of us are. I mean, it gets so convoluted that to me, it's just simple to say, you're either on board with this movement that's doing this thing and believes this thing, or you're not. So for me, it's very cut and dried. For a lot of people, it's just not because they're so afraid to say they're not because they think that means that people will think that they don't think women are equal to men. That's how successful feminism has been in teaching that that's what it's about, that women are equal to men. Well, guess what? Women have always been equal to men in value. People knew that. You just twisted the whole story right to fit this other agenda yeah you simplified it so we had to be equal on exactly the same criteria which is kind of appealing to the mind it makes it really simple to understand and you don't have to think about it 
And then you can be just like, oh, no, we're not equal because we don't have exactly the same jobs. We don't have the exactly the same everything. Uh, we don't do exactly the same things. So it's an, it's an easy thing to spread because it's, uh, it's so simple as well. And that's often the most dangerous ideas. Absolutely. Yeah. And then they just co-opted anything that happens that's, that's a natural progress in society. They co-opted and, and act as though they're the ones who are responsible for it. So one of the biggest things I've been told from haters over the years is you wouldn't be where you are if it wasn't for feminism. And I love that one. You know, I just laugh because they really do believe that they don't understand how it came to be Mm. that women were more front and center in the marketplace today and over the last several decades than they were before, even though the answer, birth control, technological advances, all of which were supplied by men, thank you very much, did more to liberate women, if you want to refer to that as liberation, than a boatload of feminists could ever hope to do. They don't know their research. They don't know history. They just know what they've been told. And they think that feminism created women's ability to get a degree or to be in the workforce. And it yeah. just isn't true. It, it, just, it just isn't true. I also come from a long line of women who had college degrees long before going back to the ninth, early part of the 20th century. And there are lots of women like that, but you don't hear about them because that would undercut the message, of course, that it took feminism to get women to become educated and have lives outside the home. So Great. So what do you think uh, women want from relationships today? Like, What are kind of her ideals that she's trying to get to? I think women want what they've always wanted, which is simply security and commitment and to be cared for, and know that you're in it, you're in it, it's done. You know, you don't have to go back out there and live this, not that there's anything wrong with being single and that it's not great for X amount of years and for some people forever, but for the average woman, it isn't. And even for the average man, I don't think, is that is the goal for long-term. I think everybody, it's a human condition to ultimately want to be loved and known and seen by one person. And otherwise, what are you doing out there in the dating world. I mean, what's the alternative to that, right? Whether or not it ends up in marriage and children or not, or just long-term permanence outside of that, I think ultimately that's what really both sexes want. But women have are now up against a society or a culture that doesn't even want them to admit it. I mean, that's, that's almost taboo to say that that's what you're looking for. So I feel like men and women are just walking around in this state of, there's this a pull between what they want and what they're supposed to want. And it's very unfortunate because there was a time when everybody knew that's what everybody wanted. Right. And you just talked about it and it was celebrated. And what are they supposed to want now? They're supposed to want uh, independence to, to a degree that, I mean, just no holds barred independence, independence mm. from men, independence from children, just independence. And the idea that you lose your independence when you get married is, is really kind of, it's just not an accurate way of looking at it. You become interdependent with someone else, but you don't lose your independence. You do have to make, of course, tremendous sacrifices. And that's really what feminists are no good at doing and don't want women to have to do because if you're, if you make sacrifices, you're somehow oppressed. Well, most of us who make sacrifices every day consider that to be a growth experience, not something that takes away from you. Right. So, well, compromises. Um, compromises. You know, it's it's like yeah, collaborative collaborative sacrifices because yeah. it takes both ends to to make something work. But you're saying that they're basically a lot less happy um, today, but they don't realize why. That's right, and in fact, we actually have 
the uh, research on that in 2007, yeah. yeah, that women are less happy. They've gotten more powerful, more education, but they're less happy than they were before. And I believe that that's what that is about. And it's not that you don't want to get educated, obviously, and it's not that you don't want to have an independent life. You do. Mm. But you want to marry that desire with your with the same desire that doesn't ever go away because it's human nature, which is to love and be loved and to have a family. And how are you going to marry those two, those two things? I think that's very much what yeah. is inside of women, men too, but in women in particular, and no one's coming out to tell him, how are you going to do that? It's either one or the other. You're either, it's just one extreme to another. No one's teaching him how to rectify those two desires yeah. in, a, in a way that works where they don't have to deal with guilt and regret and all of the rest. Right. And is are men affected with the same thing? Are they less happy? Is there a similar um, actually, research? Actually, no. On that? The, the research shows just the opposite. Oh, really? That women are yeah, that men are happier as a result of what happened with, <laughs> with so women. So it worked in reverse. It didn't <laughs> do what it was supposed to do. It was supposed to make women happy and they actually made men happier. And that kind of makes perfect sense because there was a time when men, if they wanted to be with a woman, had to step up to the plate and um they had to work for it and they had to lay down their lives and say, I will marry you or I'm committed to you before they would get that other thing. And now, I mean, the sex piece and the difference between women and men when it comes to sex is, is really quite crucial, really crucial because feminists don't like to hear this. Women are the gatekeepers of sex. Mm. I mean, that's, that's what this whole, you know, they love to talk about sexual assault and rape because that gets, once you remove what used to be, a pretty simple formula, which is man wants sex, woman wants love, man has to love before he can get sex. <laughs> and she has, to, it's very simple. And she has to create an environment that sort of allows that so that this ultimately happens. Well, once you remove that and come along and say, well, women are just like men, and they want sex just like men do, and they can act just like men, um, then it changes the rules entirely. And what you see is men are not stepping up to the plate any longer because women aren't demanding it of them. So that goes back to what we were saying earlier about how women actually civilize men and bring them to the family table by making those demands, right? And it's a trade-off really when you get married. Nobody likes to talk about it like that because we want to talk about it like romance and and all the rest, but and which is fine, but there's more to it than that. It is it is a deal. It's a, it is a business deal to some degree. It's saying I will take care of your family. I believe I will have a family with you and commit my life for you. And in exchange, you're going to get lifelong companionship and presumably respect. But that's another conversation because it's not happening. And sex. And so it's, it's an exchange of goods, really, right? And now that women are no longer taught to think in that way because that's supposed to be bad, which it's not, then what's happening? Men men are not settling down. Men are not bettering themselves. Men are not going to school and getting on an educated, good career track to become a family man, because what's the point? What's in it for him? And so he can get sex whenever he wants, doesn't have to commit himself. And women say, we don't need you. We don't need um, husband or we don't, we don't even need you to have children. So where are men left to go? They're not going to come to the marriage table as well as they did in the past. And they're also not going to better themselves. So when you ask, when women are always asked where all the good men have gone, I love to say, well, what'd you do? You know, you, you got rid of them. You know, they will respond to what you demand of them and you are no longer, you know, you've taken that away. So does that changed the game. Well, I'm saying this, this kind of begs the question, if guys are happier, will they want to go back to the old way 
If it's a great question, you know, and that goes back to, I guess, our pockets of men, right? The different groups mm, that we talked to. Yeah. I think that the ones that are anti-marriage mm. probably, you know, because I hear from them. If I try to talk about turning this around, that group will say, well, it's so far gone. Who cares? And we're done. And, you know, they, they have this mentality that I can't penetrate at all because they're just tuned out. And maybe they really weren't marriage oriented to begin with. Who knows? But I don't think that men... I mean, I don't know how you really define happiness. So that that was kind of an interesting study in 2007. But I, I think they definitely are freer on the one hand because they don't have to settle down earlier, I guess, if you want to put it that way, which is ultimately not what they really want to do because they always have to be pulled to the altar. So it looks kind of good at the beginning. But the problem is after so many years, that gets old. I mean, I'm not suggesting men are happy living in an unmarried state forever. Some are, some I think are in a way that women would never be. I I do think that, but I think the average guy does want to get married and have a family and that that will run its course after X amount of years. And the the beauty is, is that they can marry young, right? They can just marry someone 10 years younger, still have sowed those oats for however long, and then get right back on the, on the saddle. A woman can't do that, which is where feminism really fails women. Once the, now you're hitting your mid thirties and your body, guess what? Is completely different from a man's. I mean, well, obviously men don't give birth so they can get a younger model and you don't want the younger models. And even if you did, it's irrelevant because your body isn't going to cooperate. So it just, you can't treat them the same, I guess is the point men and women in terms of their trajectory in life, just because of that fact alone. And, And normal people know this, this is not, this should not be controversial. It is what it is, but it be- has become controversial. Just moving on to something, because we've, we've often talked about the hookup culture and its growth on the podcast uh, with various scientists and so on. Do you think that's related to feminism in any way? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, keep in mind, feminism's goal is all about independence for women and the fact that there's no mm. supposedly differences between men and women. So those two things together make casual sex just something to aspire to. The more you are living like a quote unquote man, the more equal and powerful you are. But of course, that doesn't take into account the fact, again, that men and women are different and women do not respond to sex the same way that men do. So it's been extraordinarily harmful. That's probably one of the biggest issues outside of um, fertility, which is the other big problem that has just been devastating for women and young women, especially who feel pressured to think that they're supposed to be able to enjoy casual sex and now have to inebriate themselves in order to do it. But there's no connection between the fact that, especially in college campuses, 99% of the time that sex is, is accompanied by you're having to change your state of mind in order to get there, right? Emotionally. So that to me speaks volumes about the fact that you really can't get there in a sober state. So that's getting into a, excuse me, a whole other conversation about what's going on in college campuses. But I, I've often said, if you remove the alcohol, you're going to have a completely different reaction of women when it comes to hooking up because they're going to have a much harder time doing it because their regular sober mind does not want that. They want the connection and the relationship. As, and that's a great thing. That's something that we should admire and hold up as a model, not something to try to get rid of so that they can act like they're equal to men. Yeah, that's, that's a really interesting viewpoint. I'd be interested to see what happened when we take away the alcohol. 
Yeah. Uh, maybe oh. it'll happen in 20 years. Yeah. I mean, there's a great book on that, actually. Yeah. It's kind of, that's kind of become like a movement. It's called This Naked Mind. Okay. I'll look and, it up um, afterwards. Yeah. And it's all about her goal is to treat, she wants people to view alcohol the way we now view smoking, which of course it's- I already do. I quit alcohol two years ago. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Look, once, you, once you look into the studies and what it does to the brain and how, like you want your brain to be good in old age, you don't want, you, you don't want to be, it to be messed up. You know, it's like our most powerful resource and the studies really don't look good. Oh, it's bad. And this book really packs a punch. It's got it all in there. And it's, um, Excellent. It, it, it's very hard to continue down that path once you've read it. So. Yeah. And, you know, it'd be interesting how society, like you're saying, how, how social culture changes, how society changes as a result of that. You know, it'd probably be pretty big changes. It'd be really interesting. Huge change. Yeah. Huge. And productivity at work as well. Like oh. you imagine. Um, it'll solve a lot of companies' problems too. All right, so we've done a pretty broad stroke across uh, the issues. Is there any is there any other noteworthy impacts that we haven't noted on male female interactions or relationships? Oh, probably. There's so much. <laughs> My biggest focus really right now is to, you know, you brought up that word submissive earlier, and I I don't want to use it at all because mm-hmm. I think it's what feminists use to scare women away from understanding what the male female dance is ultimately about. That men by nature are alpha and women by nature, or let's just say masculine and women by nature are feminine. And that those are things to be welcomed and embraced and to understand that you being in your feminine and he being in his masculine is going to make your relationship smooth sailing. And that this idea that being feminine is, I just reject that, that it's about being submissive. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with being soft instead of hard. Yeah with being easy instead of difficult, because when you have two, and then there's this other piece to it, you know, people will say, well then, so are men hard and are men difficult and are men competitive? Well, yes, but when it comes to marriage, they're not naturally prone to want to compete with the woman. Right. They're right. not trying to one up the no, woman. All right. they want to do is take care of them. Right, exactly. We have a care instinct, yeah. Yes, whereas a, when a woman's taking on that same role, she doesn't come at it. In fact, the research shows that when she, you're dealing with these breadwinning wives who make more than their husbands. They, when you shift that balance of power so dramatically like that, for women, the arguments between husband and wife become more about power for her than when a man makes more. It's more about how the money's being spent, how she's spending the money. So it's more focused on the money. But for when a woman, when you reverse it, it's immediately a power trip for her. Men aren't like that. They're not interested in having a power trip over their wives. Yeah. They want to simply care for them because that's how they, that's their identity. And you need to let them do that. And that makes the relationship smooth. And the minute you start fighting, it's all about that fight, that internal fight that I say, go out and do it all day long if you want. When he's not around, he doesn't care. Yeah. But when you come home at night, you, you have to be someone else entirely. That's just not going to fly. That's excellent. Um, have you come across Michaela Bohem's work or David Dieta? I just wonder. Neither of those, actually. It's just because you talk about similar stuff. I interviewed Michaela Bohem on, on the oh, podcast. Was, you might find her stuff interesting, too. And, you know, I'm sure you'll agree with a bunch of it as well. So it might be cool for you. How do you spell her last name? Yeah, I know. It's complicated, right? Uh, B-O-E-H-M. She kind of like took up the mantle of David Dieta's original work. Uh-huh. They were talking about what masculine and, and feminine really is. A, yeah. Pretty much in similar words to how Are they over saying. there in the UK? No, they're in the US. Everything's pretty much in the US. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you you got a big big country. That's the way it works. You know, there's not many people yeah. here. 
We do export a lot of actors and actresses these days, I've noticed. Somehow, there's yes, a trend there. I know, lately, in the last 10 years, all of my daughter's um, favorite singers are all over there. I'm right. like, what's going on? When I was growing up, it was nothing like that. Yeah, I and someone's someone's doing something. It's it's quite specific. It's something, probably the accent or something like that. You know, they're just yes. using it. It's... Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, so I wanted to go through some of the practical takeaways and implications for this, you know, and I'm aware that maybe you haven't written or talked about some of this, but, you know, we can explore it anyway. Like one of the things from men, I think I was thinking about when I looked into your work was that in order to have relationships at work, they need less feminist minded women or less women that have bought less into these ideas. So it's going to create less competition if the guy's kind of going along with uh, what we're saying here. So how would you suggest he goes about kind of selecting and finding women that might be more suitable for healthy relationships? I can't say where I would want. Initially, I would want to say church groups, but they've actually been just as infiltrated as secular America or whatever. So I don't know where exactly, but I would say that there are a couple of ways to, depending on what your goal is, you know, if your goal is to get married and settle down, you can tell right away if you're dealing with a feminist minded gal based on, well, two things, what her views are on abortion and daycare. That'll give it away right away. She'll start talking about, I mean, immediately if she's talking about women's rights, quote unquote rights in any way, shape or form and what they're entitled to or what, how their lives are going to be all about them. As soon as they start talking in that way and they're not talking from a family oriented perspective, you know, right away, you're going to have trouble on your hands. I've often thought about writing an open letter to men because, I mean, you have to think about, sometimes I think they're either not, they don't realize how it translates to after they get married. So when the woman is, if a woman is really self-involved, chances are she's going to remain self-involved afterwards. So you want to pick up on somebody who's more feminine in her outlook in terms of being nurturing and selfless, not right. so me, 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 me. If you're, if you're with someone who's me, 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 you know, right away, run, run. You're going to be in big trouble down the road, especially because women change after they're married. They're not the same when they're dating as they are when they, after they've had children. And so that's just one of the first things that comes to mind is just how they talk. You'll know right away. How about how they talk about relationships, what they do in life. Yes. Right. So it's interesting you talk about my current girlfriend. She's very much interested in, you know, caring for people and things like that. And so I was thinking that when she talks and stuff about relationships and everything, it's always, you know, about about caring and the issues of when someone hasn't cared enough. And, you know, you can kind of get that. So I'm trying to like bring across like how it'd be recognizable, whether when they're talking about uh, problems in relationships, you know, as girls often do, you know, is yeah. the issue that someone isn't caring enough or, you know, you know, how do they talk about that kind of issue? Or is like when you were explaining, it, you were just saying that uh, they're very self-involved. What would that look like more? Well, first of all, they're talking about everything they're going to do in life and the, the things they've done in the past. Okay. And they talk about all the things they're they're going to do in the future with no discussion about you or potential children, if, assuming you want them. Um, that's kind of a red flag. Um you know, are they orchestrating their life around having a family someday or is it just completely revolving around what their plans are personally? Right. So if they have very strong plans, which don't are independent plans in the future, mm-hmm. which you can see clearly see that don't really fit with a family view down the line and that kind of thing. Absolutely. You'll know that by their choice of career. You'll yeah. know that by, like you said, there's a big difference between choosing a caring profession and wanting to be a CEO. 
Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not necessarily going to work well for you for what your goal is. Right. So I just, you know, I want to encourage men to be so much more discriminating about who they spend time with and who they sleep with for sure. Because, you know, you can get, I mean, once you, once you put, throw that into the equation, then it can be really hard to see straight for sure. And I'm really against cohabitation. I think that's bad news for everybody, not for the reasons that you might necessarily think, but yeah. because I think it really removes the, any objectivity and it's too chancy to then slide into it because you're already there. You think you're there. You think it changes the way you look at it once you lose that objectivity. So cohabitation is when you live with someone before marriage. Is that the right, definition? Right. Yeah. Now, if you're already engaged, that's another story, but I'm talking about just your, you're just shacking up, you know, whatever for lack of. However, okay, that's, that's actually my situation. It's what I, I mean. This is only my second time doing it. Well, I can tell you from my perspective, it felt like a huge commitment just because I haven't done it before. You know, typically, I always live on my own and my girls will stay over and they'll basically, you know, come and stay at my place. And often, sometimes they kind of move in. Um, but this is the first time I took a decision with a girl to move into a place. And it felt like a, a big commitment because we got joint account, we're paying the rent together. Yeah. And all, you know, it's, it's more like a, a mutual relationship. So, what, what are the issues with that? So the issues with that are that my question to you would be, I mean, there's no question that when a person chooses to do that, instead of asking someone to marry them, mm-hmm. you're clearly saying, I'm not all in. There's mm-hmm. no question about it. You can't deny it. You, you're basically saying, I'm getting there. I might be there. I don't know, but I'm not all in. I don't know yet. So let's try this out. And then again, the problem with that is that the chance of your extricating become a lot more a complicated, difficult when you try to, and when you end the relationship instead of getting married, and then two, the baggage at least, at least for the woman that she's going to carry is going to be much greater than it would have been had you not lived together. Because I don't care what people say in the back of a woman's mind, what she ultimately wants is for you to ask her to marry her. She will say, oh, I don't want that. Or, oh, this is great. This is better right now because we're both, you know, this will save money. And there's like all these reasons for why people live together instead of getting married. But in the back of her mind, Mm. she wants commitment. Now, I'm not talking about your specific situation. Maybe you have a specific, you found the woman who's really nothing like that. She really wants exactly the way you want it. But my feeling is that ultimately you're entering it with two totally different in fact, the research shows mm. that women, when polled about this after the fact, they ultimately assumed that it was going to wind up in marriage yeah, and the man yeah. wasn't thinking that at all. Yeah, yeah, great points, great points. So another thing I was thinking about demographics. Now, I've seen a lot of guys take more interest in Latin women, more interest in Asian women, just as, as two lines, uh, even to the point where there's a lot of, and also Eastern European women. I, I think I feel that a lot of those countries have, you know, stronger feminine values still embedded in it and feminine styles and the women uh, think more along the original lines you're thinking still. I and so you know, there's a lot of guys either going to those countries or now there's a lot of, of course, these women in the States as well. So they may be more valued for, for a lot of men. And there's a, there's a fair amount of research showing that Asian women are really highly valued. Uh, when you look at all the stats compared to, they're given a premium for just being... Yep. Asian, um, when you look at how attracted men are and how, how interested they are in women in general. There was some nice stuff in OkCupid okay stats. They got a blog about it, uh, I think. Yeah, so I was just wondering what you think about that kind of trend. So I think that was an inevitable outgrowth of everything that's happened over here anyway in America because more American men are doing the same thing or marrying 
foreign born women. And I believe that the reason is because they do not have this desire, need, or even mindset about competing with the man. They actually want a man. They want a man's man and they want to be feminine. They, they like it that way. And this has nothing to do with what they do during the day. That's the other piece, which then kind of goes back to my original argument, which is that men really don't care what you do during the day or whatever. Um, it's all about how you're going to be when you're with him. And for whatever reason, foreign women have not been affected by this feminist mentality that American women have. And so they've been able to retain that feminine side of themselves while still, quote unquote, advancing in the world and going out and working and, and making their own money. They're able to separate those two things, which yeah. is really the underlying message of my new book, that mm. it doesn't have to be either or. And feminism, they want you to think that it's either or, but it doesn't have to be. I think going yeah. forward, you're, we're going to need a whole new way of operating and, and foreign women have it down. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How, how, they, how they've managed to, it's true. I know many successful businesswomen, entrepreneurs and so on, um, but they're often from these countries and yeah. they do retain that feminism, uh, really strong feminine, uh, sorry, not feminism, feminine, femi- right. <laughs> femininity. Uh, we talk about the female polarity as well. Yeah. So it's really interesting when you see that and you see that they're strong, successful businesswomen. And at the same time, they still have this amazing, you know, feminine energy around them. Um, and how they are. So yeah, great, great, great stuff. The way that, the way that I explain that is by saying that, um, just because the roles have changed doesn't mean the rules have, Mm. we can change all day long, decade after decade, but the rules of love and the way it works between men and women is never going to change. It's static. So we're going to have to marry those two competing. Awesome. So the other issue I thought up for guys is that because, you know, a lot of people have bought into these rules to some extent, maybe not as much and, and so on. I thought it would be kind of when you get into a relationship with a girl and she is, is from the West and she's had these influences, inevitably this is going to be part of the mentality to some point. You know, it's not black or white. It's there is some gray, gray there. Yes. And, you know, she's yeah. kind of bought into things and maybe not thought about them as much. Most of us buy into stuff and we're kind of programmed, uh, conditioned uh, by environments, right? So I was, I was wondering, like, what you thought about could be a healthy kind of communicating and leading styles? Like, how should men lead or act in relationships to avoid some of the issues caused by feminism? So I think men need to be a lot more vocal about what they want and the way they think about the change in gender roles and and how that should not affect the dance, but that men and women do. And I don't think men would ever think to talk like this because they're afraid to say anything because they're called misogynistic or throwbacks or what have you, if they hold on to anything that's quote unquote traditional, but there are some things in life that just don't ever change. And that's, that's okay. And this is one of them. And so if you, you know, as a man, I just think it's important to make yourself and your views be known without fear that you're going to offend her. And if you do feel that way and you, and she does get offended, then you know, right away, she's not the woman for you anyway. Right. So you've got to be more vocal about instead of just going along with whatever women want. I I just think that's giving them the upper hand to ultimately be in charge of you and the relationship. And that's not going to make you happy down the road. Yeah. Some great advice there. Express yourself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And if it's a match, it's a match. And if it's not great, you go to the yeah, next one. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. 
how can they deal with or mitigate some of these effects? How can they work with women to overcome them? I don't, is, there, is there a way to think of this as more of like of a team as well? Are there kind of team approaches or communicated styles or collaboration? You know, I'm just kind of reaching here, but yeah. I was wondering if you had any ideas. I don't know. That is a really hard one. I think that, I mean, you, you can try, but ultimately if, if she's in that mindset, it's going to be really hard for you to undo it. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Okay. I don't, the first thing I said, if you see the resistance you can maybe try a little bit, but if you continue to get resistance, run because the chances are you're just not going to you're not going to make any headway. She's got to come to that determination on her own yeah. that the road she's going down is is not going to mm. work, right. and you're not going to be able to change it. You just have to keep looking for the one that that, that hasn't caught into it. Right. So you think selection is the key, mm-hmm. the really 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 key. Nine, mm-hmm. 80, 80, 20, like it's eighty percent of the uh, the battle here. I was just wondering, as you, you said that, actually, in terms of therapy, you know, there's a lot of therapists out there and yeah. uh, people talk about going to therapy together. So do you think that would be helpful or not? Because do you think most therapists have bought into feminism and these, and these ideals that you say are damaging and so that it could actually make it even worse for the guys in, so, in the relationship? That's a great, great observation and point. And yes, I do think counseling is great on its, on its face, but there's this other piece to the problem, which is what you just said is that so many of them will side with the woman. And if she doesn't, if she's not satisfied or happy, well, move on, just divorce them, you know, and that's, that's not helpful. So you have to be really, really picky in finding a quote unquote non-feminist counselor, which uh, I, my husband and I have were successful in doing and someone we know well, but we always say she's like a diamond in the rough because they aren't, I mean, generally if they're, well, no, I was going to say if they're older, but that's not fair. That's not true. It could be younger or older, but yeah, you really have to vet your counselors for that because that's going to be more destructive yeah. to, yeah. If, if you're dealing with what you just described, which happens a lot, yeah. unfortunately. Well, cause I've been interested in doing therapy for a while in this current relationship. Also, even though we've just started, I just think it's a healthy thing to do, but I struggle with this, this issue of finding, I've looked several times and I haven't found anyone I trusted to do a better job than me and my girlfriend, for instance, because of these influences I'm concerned about. Male counselors might be better. Have you ever, I don't know if she would be open to that, but um, there's no reason why she shouldn't, you know? I mean, people always think of them as being female, but I think you have a better chance of not having that piece to it if you look at men. Yeah. So, so, so you've true. done therapy yourself. You, you see it as a valuable mm-hmm. tool. To anyone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. I do. But again, it's because I found one that wasn't like what you described yeah. and that's key. All right. Cool. Any tips on that? How, how you found them or just no, that was diamond cool. in a rough. Well, I, she had, um, she had had a, a column for many years in our, in our local paper. And over so uh-huh. many years I had read her right. columns. Then you get to know someone. Yeah. And so by the time I contacted her, I already know what knew how she thought. So and right. that's really hard. That's coincidence. Yeah. No, no, no. I and mean, that's, that's how you find, that people you should learn from. You read their stuff for a while. Yeah. You you understand their value, you know, and you see that their life reflects how you want to be. And absolutely. And then it's you say, okay, can I get some consulting or whatever from absolutely. you? Because you know, I know, I know that you represent what I need. Yeah, great. That's that's the way to do it. Great. Okay. Well, rounding off. I don't know if I've missed anything. Uh, no, I think we've covered a lot. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Rounding off. What are the best ways for people to connect with you and learn more about you and your work, your latest so, book, and you know I, the other works? Yeah. Yeah, everything's kind of consolidated at my website, which is just my name. So Suzanne, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E, Venker, V-E-N-K-E-R.com. Excellent. 
nice and easy. Are you on Twitter or is, are you active anywhere yeah. else? Yeah. yeah, and you'll find the links to that on that page too. Everything's pretty much there. Awesome, and we'll shove them in our show notes as well. Make it all easy. Uh, who besides yourself would you recommend for high quality advice in this area, like relationships between men and women? Is there anyone you've come across? Yeah, there's there, there's a couple. One is Sheila Greg. I don't know if I can say her last name, like Gregoire, G-R-E-G-O-I-R-E. Uh, although she does come at it from a religious perspective. So it's, okay. that's just a heads up for, I don't know if that matters. But anyway, um, that's one. Um, I think Evan Mark Katz, K-A-T-Z, okay. yeah. is another good one. He, he and I are definitely on the same page about the beta males stepping up and the alpha males stepping down. Uh, alpha, alpha female setting down. Right, down to try to get that mix. So yeah. he's another good one. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you for those. Great. What are your top three recommendations to guys starting from zero from this, right? So we got a lot of young guys on this podcast or just guys who have never really jumped into the dating market and so on. What would you be the first three things you would tell him that he should get started with if he wanted to make it good? Well, kind of like what we were talking about before is really being discriminating in when you're out there so that you immediately tune into what kind, what kind of person she's like. So that, like we were talking about before, if it's just all me, 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 just run <laughs> Be that and being really vocal about what you want and not being afraid to say, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I want. Here's what I believe. And a, a, a woman who's, I mean, a, the average woman would be really receptive to that. I, I would think. And if it, if, now, if it doesn't match, then it doesn't match, but to just not be so much of a receiver of her energy, but to go in in a respectful way, which I think the average good guy does naturally anyway, and and speak your mind and say, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want, you yeah. know? Yeah, those would be my two things. Excellent. Well, it's free if you've got another one, um, but that's, No, that's, that's great. the only three. <laughs> that's the only two I could think of right that's, now. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's a great, great takeaway, basically expressing yourself. Well, thanks so much for your time today. This has been a great, I've enjoyed this discussion and I'm sure it'll be really valuable for the guys. Excellent. All right. Nice talking with you. Take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait. Do it today. That's all it takes to change your life. Step by step, episode by episode. Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at DatingSkillsReview.com. How we help men like you take control of their dating lives.